Welcome to Tracklisting, the podcast where a musician, a comedian, and a painter review old soundtracks for some reason. This is Nick. This is Chris. And this is Caleb. And this is our annual Christmas episode, holiday episode. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. Um, and every year for new listeners, I get to pick... Uh, apparently a Christmas movie for us to review. How does it keep working out this way? <laughs> yeah, this well, is <laughs> <laughs> For the record, you guys are both like huge Grinches. We mm-hmm. got uh, mm-hmm. St. Nicholas Lagrasta born on the day before Christmas. That's right, Christmas Eve, baby. And then uh, Christmas Darden over here yeah. born the day after. And you Chris guys, Kringle Darden. <laughs> you guys have right. been uh, holding this torch, trying to... Uh, Rail against the war. It's the war against Christmas right here. <laughs> yeah. We've talked about this soundtrack before, I feel like. I'm have kinda, we mentioned it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I have picked from 1998 the movie Jack Frost. Yeah. All right. All right. Jack yeah. Frost. This yeah. is the uh, Michael Keaton. <laughs> Not to be confused with the movie from the same name that came out in 1997, Seven, which yeah. was a uh, horror a horror movie about a, a deranged uh, mutant That's uh, right. snowman. That's right. No, this is the American dark fantasy drama <laughs> yeah. film, which is what Wikipedia <laughs> And I agree with that. It's absolutely true. <laughs> Very much in the tradition of Kafka's Metamorphosis and uh, David Cronenberg's The Fly. It's <laughs> a, uh, a <laughs> harrowing story of uh, Christmas cheer. And we're here to review the soundtrack. Let's uh, jump into the first track. Let's hear track number one. This is Hanson with Give Me Some Lovin'. That uh, begs the question, how are you guys doing tonight? Well, uh, live Hanson, I didn't even know that was a thing. Extremely poorly as of just now. <laughs> yes, I was doing great until that song. <laughs> so there are a lot of, uh, there, this is not the only Hanson track on this soundtrack, and uh, most of them sound like they're live, mm-hmm. and I I listened to the soundtrack. I, so I, I, I'm going to admit that I had never seen this movie until preparation for this episode. Nor had I, not and, in full. And I hadn't mm-hmm. listened to the soundtrack. I listened to the soundtrack first, and I was like, I wow, like, like, uh, Hanson's going to be in this movie a lot. Yeah. No, no, no. They're not in the movie. They, they just, for some reason, cherry-picked a bunch of uh, <laughs> very enthusiastic live tracks. Did you guys season. ever own a Hanson CD? Oh, no, no. I'm too old for that. My sister did. I did own Hanson's first album, Middle of Nowhere, that I bought mm-hmm. last year. No, just kidding. <laughs> it was... Uh, I was going to say, you, you owned Hanson 1 yeah. or Hanson 2? <laughs> I think uh, Middle of Nowhere came out when I was in first or second grade. And I remember going to uh, Borders and uh, I had heard the song. I didn't know who it was by. Mm-hmm. So I just like sang the song to the guy at the counter. I was like, do you have that? And he just had the CD ready to go. Yeah, it's like, just what a lot of people were doing: yeah, coming in, singing the song. It was Umbop, eighth, eighth kid it today. Was oh, I was <laughs> exactly. I would have loved if you came in singing this song and they handed you the Spencer Davis group. You're like, what? <laughs> Steve Winwood. <laughs> kind of a ridiculous, forgotten thing. It's kind of like I'm sure how Blockbuster employees felt back in the day too, where people would come in. They're like, you know, it's the one with the guy that like you know dresses up like a 
a nanny to like win his family back. They're like, yep, yeah, Mr. Mr. Mom. Yeah. Oh, so sorry. <laughs> they're like, uh, how, we want to. What's the movie with the? It's like a park for dinosaurs. They're like uh, Carnosaur, and you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll find that. Yeah. Bye. Rest in peace. Oh, Borders my, and blockbuster. My favorite thing about the uh, the big chain movie uh, rental place is that there would always be if there was a big hit in the theater like some some like roger corman indie studio would put out like a knockoff movie that just kind of looked like it could be the real movie and mm-hmm. release it on video first yeah and just so beat you to the punch you uh-huh. would just get the uh the exhausted like mom working two jobs it would like try to grab uh jurassic park and it'd be carnosaur <laughs> i i think i threw i'm not even kidding i think i threw a fit in blockbuster <laughs> when my dad would not let me rent carnosaur <laughs> Oh, no. And he was like, I'm telling you, it's not <laughs> what you think it's going to be. It is a scam. And I was like, it's the same thing. That would have been my family. I would have been like, let's get Jurassic Park. They're like, we have Jurassic Park at home. <laughs> and Jurassic Park at home is Carnosaur. <laughs> I remember that there, every once in a while there would be a big movie that was a, uh, a property that was... Um, What's it called? It was like non-copywritten. It was like old enough that it was a uh, public domain. In the public yeah. domain. And so there would be, say there was maybe, I want to say like Bram Stoker's Dracula is like public domain and people are like, I, I want to see Bram Stoker and like so studio can just name another movie, like Bram Stoker's Dracula. Dracula or something. I remember when The Patriot came out, uh, there was a, uh, an earlier movie called Patriot with uh, Steven Seagal. Oh yeah. And then like my blockbuster like prominently placed it at the front of the store, but... I was going to mention that uh, I think we talked about this in a previous episode that uh, Hanson was produced by the Dust Brothers mm-hmm. oh, yeah. when they were coming yeah. up in the Dust Brothers uh, are you know well known for producing and mixing um, Beck and they did the Fight Club soundtrack which maybe we'll get to in 2021 yeah and um, my favorite song that the Dust Brothers did was uh, Steal My Sunshine yeah, by, by Len, Len. Mm-hmm. and there's a um, there's this great clip of the Dust Brothers mixing Steal My Sunshine on YouTube <laughs> like it's like a VHS camera footage yeah. and they're all sitting in the studio and you can just tell by the look on their faces that they're like, fuck, this is going to be huge. <laughs> <laughs> like we know it, man. And That's the, a hit record, Bobby. Exactly. <laughs> the lead singer of Lynn is like sitting there and he has a, uh, a baseball cap on and he's got a pager mm-hmm. clipped to the bill of his baseball oh, cap. Oh, it's like nice. such a look. Oh, pager That's fucking awesome. got to bring bill? that back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I used to do that with my garage door opener. Listen to our last episode, guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're, we're skipping around a little but this is not in chronological order um yeah, points uh, against and we'll, we'll jump in i think uh, the next one is one of the first songs so that's nice but uh this is <laughs> michael keaton's already a snowman he's melting <laughs> and his son who was shitty at hockey has now become better so that's right. well, okay so we're talking about we're into snowman already first of all i say the snowman looks pretty good it looks great. Well, uh, we'll, well, we can talk about it. There are more practical effects than I thought, but it's like I was kind of expecting early Harry Potter movie style CGI. This is some of the best 90s CGI that ever was. Not, it looks so good. <laughs> it looks really, really good. I don't know what you guys are talking about. It looks great, it's man. It's terrible. Oh my no, God, man. are you kidding me? For 1998? For 1998? This is, this is total Jurassic Park. This is not Dude, a carnosaur situation. Well, this in, is professional. It's Industrial Light and Magic. Yeah, it's which the Jim, Jim Henson. Jim Henson. Yeah. Okay. It's the, the Henson Company and Industrial Light and Magic all working together. I think you'd be surprised with how much of it was animatronics and like practical effects. And this is the funny thing. Uh, a lot of people were were slated to be Jack Frost, mm-hmm. uh, the lead character, 
and um, it was George Clooney. Right. I think he bailed to do Batman and Robin or Which something. I have, Smart I have a move. Big point. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was all <laughs> zero sum. Yeah. Uh, but apparently, the Henson Covert they designed uh, the snowman to be able to mimic George Clooney's face and. and it- to- Kind of looks like it, Clooney. It I was going to say, it bears a striking resemblance. All eyebrows. You know what I mean? <laughs> it is the handsomest fucking cinema. I don't know. Uh, it looks a little bit like Clooney. It doesn't really look like Michael Keaton. It, it threw the Henson company for a loop. Uh, <laughs> they like freaked out. Apparently, it's like problems without end. Uh, because it was all tied to Clooney's face. Uh, and then Ke- Keaton came in. And his voice sounds more like Clooney than I thought. So, I don't know if he's Clooning it up. Yeah. So we hear some track two on that note. Let's do it. Let's go. This is the Jack Frost band with Frosty the Snowman. Merry Christmas, guys, and Merry yeah. Christmas to everybody oh at home. Happy holidays. This is like a magical season. This song is giving me terrible flashbacks to being in, like, <laughs> Texas bars. You know, there's, like, Texas bar blues. Oh, man. Yeah. You, guys, you have to understand that this is the performance that launches the group. Right. They're, this is, like, yeah. uh, Joy Division yeah. at the the factory or whatever. So, yeah, Michael Keaton's character is a uh, blues musician named Jack Frost. Named Jack Frost. <laughs> he's named Jack Frost. <laughs> of all things. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, he's about the, to get a record deal. Yeah. Apparently. From this. They, <laughs> from this song. <laughs> because someone held up their cell phone yeah. in the audience. Dweezil Zappa. Is it? Yeah, Dweezil Zappa. Oh, that's right. It's Dweezil Zappa. <laughs> Jack Kaplan in the movie. They are a middling uh, blues rock act out of um, someplace in Colorado. Medford. Medford, Colorado. Medford, Colorado. And they just happen to be playing a giant arena. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a crowd goes nuts for their cover of uh, yeah that tracks well, well they, dro- they drove into denver Frost, for that frosty, gig i mean frosty the snowman. i don't know if you uh, i don't know if you watched the movie carefully but they drove into denver that for that gig okay okay i think i read that well the, uh, the guitar player for the jack frost band is uh, the guy that did the score for the film mm-hmm. and trevor, i don't know trevor rabin yeah and if you uh um, okay might have seen on keyboards is robert baratheon from game of thrones <laughs> yeah. terrifying mark <laughs> addy yeah i'm sure michael keaton loved recording this song I think he did. No, he definitely did. He co-wrote a lot of the yeah. music. Mm-hmm. It's like every actor's dream, right? To be like a super successful musician and this. I think that this this was know. the carrot that they dangled in front of people to try to take over for George Clooney who bailed on the film. I think it's why he bailed. I think Clooney realized he wasn't a great blues musician. <laughs> such a, The likes of Bruce Willis, uh, you know. <laughs> this is like... Bruce Willis celebrity blues. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know I, mean? <laughs> I think it's a whole genre that oh, that's in the eighties and nineties, like a bunch this of is like fucking Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, we're like, I can do blues. <laughs> There's yeah, heavy harmonica. <laughs> just get a song we all know, and then like really take it out, stretch it out. I got They're about to get the record deal, and then he dies. Well, we'll talk about that. Spoiler alert. We'll get to that part later. I do want to say, Michael Keaton, I love Michael Keaton. I love uh, 
80s Michael Keaton. I love 90s Michael Keaton. I love revival Michael Keaton. He's great in this movie. He's a great. <laughs> yeah, he actually is pretty he's good in this movie. Good he's actor. He's fun. He's sarcastic. He's like sardonic. Um, he's a fun, sad blues dad. <laughs> he plays <laughs> a mean blues harp. Yeah. <laughs> I think he plays, even when he's, I think he's playing somebody probably 20 years younger than he actually is. It's a little bit hard to track, but uh, how do you guys feel about the song? terrible oh no it's it's really bad um and, and, and the funniest thing about it is like his name is jack frost and he's singing frosty the snowman and that's what gets them the deal and like if that's the case then this record guy's like so they're like a christmas blues band <laughs> <Yeah>. right <laughs> Like, that's all they do, but apparently it's not all they do. Like, ah, oh, it's yeah. so weird. I mean, so far we've got Hanson and Michael Keaton doing Texas <laughs> Blues. I think Caleb may have picked a bad soundtrack in a bad movie. Hey! But don't jump to judgment. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I we might say, have to hear track three. I did want to talk about, before we jump to track three, in, in this performance, he's a front man and he's got a guitar on his back, so you're supposed to understand that he's also maybe lead guitarist or, yeah. you know. He carries a guitar. He's threatening to play guitar. You never, you never, it's, he's a harp man as mm-hmm. far as we're concerned. Yeah. That's something I feel like in Hollywood is a very prominent thing that people would be playing harmonica mm-hmm. and people would be loving it. Right. But in reality, has anybody ever loved, it's like Dylan and, uh, and John Popper, right? Well, I mean, I've, I've played some gigs, you know, in the before times and, uh, you know, like other bands, you know, the singer will show up and he's got like a little briefcase with him and you're like oh cool he's got like some vocal pedals or something mm-hmm. and it's like you know all the blues harps and all the different keys <laughs> yeah. it's like okay all right okay. it's gonna be one of those kind of nights are we gonna use all those <laughs> yeah just in case yeah. just in case um i mean the roseanne uh intro <laughs> that's great the- harmonica stevie wonder has some awesome harmonica uh, okay stuff. okay I was going to say the Roseanne eventually was Blues Traveler, That's right. so I, I don't think that counts. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, you can't argue with Stevie Wonder's uh, harmonica playing in, um, what song is it, Boogie on Reggae Woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The best. Yeah, you played it for us in one of our previous episodes, correct? Yeah, I whipped out uh, my A-flat <laughs> blues harp. <Yeah. laughs> uh, Caleb's giving me the eyes. <laughs> Does that mean next track? I was trying to like... He's giving me those Clooney snowman eyes. <laughs> Just those dead cold eyes. <laughs> Let's jump into the next track. Here's track three. This is Lisa Loeb with How. Lisa Loeb making a, um, I believe, maybe a second appearance on track listing. Second or third, perhaps. But I would assume Reality Bites. Reality Bites. Reality Bites. Uh, the soundtrack that launched her career. I think she was like a completely independent artist at the point when she... she it was that song, Stay. Yeah. Stay. Great song. Stay. How. Why. <laughs> she. All the great songs. <laughs> I think this is uh, one of the many songs that appears in the credits to the film. 
This is uh, this kind of wraps up the end of the film. It's like an everything is all right uh, sort of thing. You Feels see, like a credits-y kind of song. Yeah, I mean, we can talk about what's happened uh, in the film, but um, yeah, Baratheon, yeah. Uh, Mark Addy, <laughs> who plays Mac in this, who's really responsible for Michael Keaton's death. No he one had, really talks about it, but he takes it pretty hard. He's got one of the heaviest Colorado accents I've ever heard. He's <laughs> um, just uh, <laughs> he he plays he plays one of the bandmates but after michael keaton dies you find out that he like gives up music which is like a huge bummer and kind of kind of sweet and you realize a lot of this movie is about music but yeah. at the end when this song is playing he's playing the piano again oh okay yeah he's a little a little uh i don't know sort of a treat for the viewer i guess if you're paying attention let's see he was in our uh we, d- we reviewed the knight's tale soundtrack mm-hmm. and he was one of the, the unnecessary <laughs> unnecessary no, I, th- I thought that uh alan tudyk was the unnecessary yes, part that's, that's and I, thought that, I thought that mark addy was was very well suited for the the fake squire or whatever yeah i think they could have just combined the role yeah, so yeah. either either or in my opinion <laughs> let's get down to brass tacks here guys how do you actually feel about lisa loeb this is not a very Christmassy song and therefore it falls upon deaf ears <laughs> I don't uh, I don't care for this song. It's fine. I mean, this is some coffee house 90s bullshit, but um, <laughs> I I like Lisa Loeb. But like she's the best at it, you know what I mean? I think she's one of the first. One of the first. Pre-Nora Jones CD sold in Starbucks. Love her glasses. Love her cat eye glasses. That's right. Um no, I, I I don't. She's never going to make it onto my, uh, you know, Spotify playlist. Your rotation. No, but um like her children's music too i think that's good <laughs> i started singing that song um from reality bites to allison today and she was like what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> it's like fine never mind all right so. trying to make you uh, fall in love with me yeah. all over again yeah, reality bites. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wasting my time uh no i i, <laughs> I don't i don't care for this song that much you know i i signed up for some fucking uh bad blues and some <laughs> Bad Hanson covers. There might be more. <laughs> All right. Where that came from. Tell me more. Or should we hear some in track four? Let's do it. Let's this do is it. Bob Carlyle with Father's Love. <laughs> Does Jesus really hear me when I pray? When I go will I just like you? Will I be tall and strong? my goodness yeah that is a flaming turd <laughs> this is uh do you remember like when uh, in the before times if you showed up to a movie th- or maybe this is like more in the mid 90s or late 90s you'd show up to a movie maybe a little early and they'd have those like local ads yeah. rolling before the trailers kicked in it was like that kind of music mm. was the bed this is uh this is like mega church christian rock yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. which is weird okay so I, I'm not a religious man, but uh, I will go on the record as saying that gospel music is great, and I love listening to gospel music. And there's a lot of like, I would say explicitly Christian music that 
I love to listen to. So Father's Love, though. This one is super creepy. Like, I feel like this is almost like a Tim and Eric fake Fa- yeah. Christian. Father's, Father's love, love is the um, <laughs> the one love so that's gross. the most awkward to explore. You know what I mean? Of all the love out there, a Father's Love is the one that oh, society's I did, I did want to ask you guys about your Father's Love. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Uh, this is also in the credits, which makes mm-hmm. it even more like this is the third, movie third credits. Wait, how song. many credit songs are we talking? We're here? talking three. Three. I don't think I made it all the way through the end of the credits. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> not surprised. Man, good job, Chris. Uh, this is the the film itself uh, is not explicitly Christian, and if anything, flies in the face of a lot of what we understand. What you know. <laughs> how uh, the afterlife works? <laughs> yeah, yeah the <laughs> it, it. I guess it does. Um, there is an afterlife if you watch this movie in some sort of way. I mean, uh, at the end of the movie, you see Michael Keaton and he gets swirled up in some sort of thing. I so, guess it, it, it seems closer to Star Wars type religion. This is, seems like the Force ghosts more than it does uh, <laughs> my understanding of like uh, canonical Christianity. I mean, I, I tell you, there's a movie called uh, Quigley, uh, which was um, uh, Gary Busey is in it and he comes back as a little dog like a Pomeranian dog called Quig wait you hear his he's like doing the voice of the dog what what do I do now that I'm Quigley no he's trapped in a dog and and it's oh it's like it's one of the worst movies ever made but I think because that um, does it have a soundtrack oof I don't know But that was funded by like a Christian media company and like it's this weird like they can't overt because they want to convert people you know what i mean so like they kind of like slip it under the table that like well there's some christian themes and really christianity is about family and it's about christmas and it's about like you know so i think that that might be at play here but this is a big you know blockbuster movie it's a warner brothers thing well you know last week we reviewed the tank girl soundtrack and that's a film that dealed with uh, the issues of reincarnation and the uh, dog spirits and kangaroo, kangaroo half people. bodies yeah yeah, yeah. seems that's like true. all a piece it's a uh, yeah it's <laughs> i think you guys are spiraling so so bob carlisle is a uh, is a a grammy winning musician grammy winning musician <laughs> Uh, four Dove Awards. That was the thing where I was like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah okay. the Doves. What is a Dove Award? Uh, it's like a Christian. It's either <laughs> a Christian right. Grammy or it's like the Raspberries or something where it's like the worst. The worst. <laughs> um, but Father's Love. I think it's so funny because his name's Bob Carlisle and Robert Carlisle, uh, different spelling, yeah. is uh, Begbie in Trainspotting, who is like the least <laughs> like, you know, Christian rock singer yeah, person yeah. I could ever imagine. Or <laughs> the same name <laughs> you may be on to something alright let's jump into the next track Nicky. let's hear some of track number 5 this is Swirl 360 with Hey Now Now world 360 this is um i just say it's it's a band that i was like 
pretty sure I was going to hit a link to uh, like a Christian rock uh, Wikipedia page. They were not apparently explicitly Christian rock at all. I think they were managed by the same person that managed Hanson and Dave Matthews. I was going to say, it sounds like like Creedy Hanson. You're like, this could be. But yeah. I, I can't there's no evidence it's not overtly stated you know what I mean That's, I heard some, uh, that song is bad man it's like <laughs> they're trying to do like a updated like psychedelic Beatles thing yeah I was gonna say I, I heard like uh, it's the tax man bass line in there yeah yeah like what is happening uh, they I, had a song that was also in the Van Wilder soundtrack, yes. which uh, I don't know if we should get to that soundtrack at some point. <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to. I'd love to. I'll uh, have Burt Kreischer on as a guest. Yeah. Yeah, they, uh, they were signed by... <laughs> just him oh wheezing, God. laughing so hard. You're like, dude, he's going to die. <laughs> that guy, man. He's going to have a heart attack at any moment. Shirtless. I think he drinks two gallons of Kool-Aid a day. <laughs> Uh, I believe this this song is playing during the, the sled extended, getaway. Um, yeah, the sled. longest scene in the movie, I think. It's like a it's the longest set piece in the film. So yeah, there's a there's like a, it starts with um, well let's, let's let's back up a bit. Michael Keaton dies. Michael Keaton. He's dies. about to get he's, a rec- he's about to get signed about with to his get a record deal. Jack Frost blues band mm-hmm. and sadly gets in a car accident. Gets in a car accident because uh, Baratheon's car, the windshield wiper, doesn't work. That's really why he died. Yeah. Uh, he gave him a defective car. There you go. Regardless, whatever. Uh, and then he comes back as a snowman a year later. A year later. Doesn't matter why. We can talk about that. I'm gonna say like. Um, you know, the, I feel like there's kind of uh, you can do like a depressing brain exercise. Like, what would the world look like without you? And right. If you're Michael Keaton, then it's like a year passes, and literally people's haircuts haven't changed. Blink of an eye. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Living changed. in the same house. Everybody seems to be doing fine without you, Michael. I guess uh, I, the keyboard player is now working in a in a hardware store. Yeah, it's a bummer. He's the only person that. <laughs> Um, Your kid hasn't gotten any taller. <laughs> yeah, that, that's worth exploring. Um, I get my only thing is like the the screenwriter must have just been like, I just don't want to deal with like the funeral and like the sad stuff. It could have been a month and no, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so <laughs> Michael Keaton is back as a snowman, and this is like the first time he like helps out his son, who like um, is the only one that really knows that he's a snowman. And he throws like an incredible amount of uh, snowballs, <laughs> and it's I think the fourth snowball fight in the movie. That was the scene where I realized that I had actually seen this movie before. <laughs> when he starts pelting out snowballs, yeah, I was like, like the oh, super fast. Yeah, uh, that also happens in Elf. Uh, that like he's somehow really good at snowball That's fights. Right. Any Christmas character, but yeah, then then it starts this. Uh, high budget highly produced sled uh getaway yeah in which the bullies are trying to to run after the frost um family uh but you wonder like what are the bullies gonna do when they catch them? that is i wanted to bring this up in that um i feel like in hollywood there is like a very contrived unexplained like uh kind of perceived set of rules behind a food fights and b snowball fights Mm -hmm. where there's like high stakes and there's somehow rules like early on it's like we need help we're pinned down like you're the brain and he's like didn't you listen to history class take out the general (laughs) you win the war yeah and it's like uh snowball fights you just kind of throw snowballs until you get tired and people just wander off i don't know what's happening here yeah I mean, there's the heightened reality and that, like, somebody could die. <laughs> uh, Woof. But, 
Yeah, they're apparently like on top of like a ski slope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just they're like fresh powder everywhere. Yeah, they just show up. It's kind of fun. In Steamboat Colorado <laughs> on like a blue slope. Yeah, this made me miss skiing. Oh man, for yeah. sure. Me too. But um, during this scene, is the uh, the two snowballs get hit, um, <laughs> and it looks like he's got boobs for a hot second. He's like. <laughs> Nah, that was, a, that was a raunchy snowman scene. Well, I remember one of the trailers had that, and then they pulled that trailer to make it look more like a family movie, because that was like an easy gag to throw in a trailer. And they were like, Mm-mm, "Get rid of that. Let's make it more family friendly, like Warner Brothers Kids." This film was definitely, I think, ahead of its time in its trying to work in like the adult humor to keep the like the parents engaged with the uh, for a basically like a family-friendly this is a movie i saw with my family yeah yeah some clear punch up from 90s comedians you know (laughs) like talk about separation anxiety (laughs) you know he's like oh god talk about an ultimate ice wedgie you know there's a bunch of like thrown in things and i think you could do that when it's animated there was is there's some like it's clearly like some greg giraldo or somebody who's like throwing in some stuff there were some lines that actually i thought were pretty funny there's one early on where uh the kid's talking about how i can't remember they're talking about margaritas for some reason or martinis yeah He's like, yeah, up to two a day. Yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, mom's been sending mar- like martinis in my lunch. Yeah, two like, martini lunches, yeah, yeah. Up to two a day. And I was like, that's funny. They're like a sarcastic, <laughs> funny family. Yeah. I noticed early on, they were like constantly like... <laughs> I was really sad that the guy fucking died. <laughs> yeah, it's <was> tragic. <laughs> and he was doing the right thing, too. That is, okay, okay. We're way ahead of ourselves, but I have to say that the movie its biggest failing is that every other i'm gonna say holiday film even like a kind of magical realism the main character has to learn a lesson that's why that's the only reason you bring somebody back to life is to learn a lesson or maybe get revenge and uh, there's no revenge to be had it's just and he dies because he decides to spend more time with his family yeah you're so right. Like, why Why this curse? Why is he the, like, Yeah, he's cursed to live a nightmarish existence where he's constantly, like, melting in the sun. Nobody, you know, we're talking about, uh, what was it, the, uh, the faculty uh, soundtrack we did uh, not too long ago, and you were, it drove you crazy about how nobody would listen to the main characters. It was, like, constant gaslighting. Yeah. And in this one, it's like... <laughs> The kid keeps trying to tell people right off that his dad's been reincarnated in a snowman and people, everybody thinks he's crazy. Well, like, it would make more sense if, like, (laughs) yeah, if he came back and then, like, only a few people knew. I I wanted, like, a a fairy godmother or, like, some sort of, like, maybe the actual Jack Frost could be like, you need to learn a lesson. Here's why you're here. But there's literally a scene where he's the snowman talking and he's like, is it because my name is Jack Frost? <laughs> What's going on? And this is, is the universe that cliche? I'm like, those were like studio notes written on the top of the script <laughs> that he's like saying aloud. Like, why is this happening? I yeah. don't freaking know. Michael Keaton should have been high out of his mind with like a floozy in the passenger seat, yeah. uh, going to some record producers like after party when he dies. Yeah. PG, Caleb. PG. <laughs> You guys want to hear some of the next track? Yeah, let's do it. Very exciting stuff. This is the Spice Girls with Sleigh Ride. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together. 
Oh man, do we know if this song was even in the movie? It we was. found it. We found <laughs> it. Found it. It's during the the free skate after the um, after the hockey. Man, that that song is a big turd. <laughs> really? I mean, it's a cover. It's a cover of a song by uh, the Rosettes. Mm-hmm. I think that it, in my mind, it's a very passable cover of a very forgettable Christmas song. Yeah, it's a very faithful cover. I mean, when I heard this version, you know, it was like. They change the chords and it's like weird and there's four key changes in the song. Yeah. It's like it's all unnecessary and no, that's the original. No, yeah. It's same just chords, it's just the same. four key changes in the song. This song not helping sounds anything. like it's in the background. <laughs> Even when we were just listening to it, it sounds like in the background of a movie saying oh, kind of like a, it's like a bad mall a. song. <laughs> I think that's why I just like, you know, because I, I take notes during the movie to try to find out which song is played when. I haven't heard a good song yet on the soundtrack. <laughs> oh, where are we going? <laughs> Fucking Grinches. <laughs> but uh, but this one just like my brain just didn't even pick it up as a song that would be anything. You know what I mean? I'm just <laughs> like no, it didn't uh, register. It's, just, it's like no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just background noise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's during uh, Caleb found it. It was during the free skate. Okay, so there's the hockey game, and then immediately after the goal is scored, they're like, all right, free skate, free skate, get off the hockey, get off the ring. It is, <laughs> like, let's say, probably the climax of the film, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's undercut a little bit by the fact that it's like, we won! It's like, everybody off the ice! Like, <laughs> these why? kids just currently stumbling out on why ice skates. Why did they do it like that? <laughs> there were these like, children waiting in the aisles just to get shoved onto the ice. Yeah, but, there should have been Henry Rollins yelling at people like, Let's have a pizza party! Yeah. We finally won! Yeah, Henry Rollins <laughs> is the uh, I, uh, ice hockey coach, by the way, which is uh, such a bizarre cameo. He's really good in it. He's great, but why is he in this movie? And like, <laughs> oh, man. Henry Rollins, one of the most hardcore motherfuckers out there, is like a goofy ice skating coach or ice hockey coach. Uh, the, I think probably my favorite part of the film is that he has a run in early on with uh, Michael Keaton, the reanimated snowman, which would break your brain. He's alone and he fucking loses his mind. Yeah. Very weird. And then later on, he keeps yelling at anybody that brings up snowmen. He's like, "We're not talking about snowmen." <laughs> because <laughs> there's that little clip where he's on the news yeah, yeah. and it's clear that like he's been like publicly ostracized <laughs> and humiliated like anybody he had to be like we you need to know about the new world we live in yeah the <laughs> new snowmen sentient. are all <laughs> snowmen sentient are we <laughs> and he's become a laugh sto- laughing stock of this small colorado town <laughs> And uh, and now oh he yells at any child that ever mentions snowman. <laughs> yeah, when he's in the car, he's like, "What did we say?" He's like gun shy. He's like kind of still like jittery and jumpy. It's a sad, sad existence for Henry Rollins. Even though that's a uh, pretty terrible Spice Girls cover. Spice Girls, you know, had some good songs in their day. Yeah. I remember when I was probably in first or second grade, uh, going to see the Spice World movie. Mm-hmm with uh, a bunch of guy friends and we were all ashamed yeah. <laughs> and we didn't want anyone to know that we were going to see the movie and we were secretly loving it. Yeah. And, uh, Dude, it was funny. My, my friends were, I rewatched it recently. It still like holds up as a pretty funny movie. And, uh, you know, George went from cheers plays the uh, film producer in the movie. Yeah. And, um, Richard E. Grant is yeah, also Richard in the e. movie Grant. from, uh, with Mill and I, nice. but yeah, man, spice girls. Yeah, my my friends ordered it on pay per view when whenever it came out, and I was like, "You guys are lame." And then I was like, "It was great." <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think uh, what was it? Sporty Spice is really the the only talent in the band, and everybody else was just kind of like. Uh, 
riding her coattail. She was the only one that could really sing. Everyone yeah. could harmonize, but yeah, and no she's, one else she's could still sing. kicking it. Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned the Spice Girls in our Tank Girl episode again. All these connections. Oh uh, yeah, they were all in the running for a Tank Girl, right? Yep, three of them auditioned. I think uh, Scary Spice would have been a good Tank Girl. She'd been a great Tank Girl, but yeah, Spice Girls sleigh ride. What can you say? <laughs> Terrible cover. <laughs> I don't think it's a travel cover. I think I kind of want to hear the next track and see where we're at. Just a cover. That sounds good to me. Let's hear the next track. Track number seven. This is Good Levin by Hanson. Why more live Hanson? I have to say, yeah, these inexplicable Hanson covers are—they're not even holiday songs. I don't—I don't really understand what's happening. This is a credits song, right? Second credit song. Yeah. Second credits song. <laughs> yeah. I mean, other than that, they were probably a huge band in the demographic they were trying to bully into bringing their mm-hmm. parents to a film. Yeah, I mean, what's what's funny is I was like right in the demographic for this film. Um, I would have been 11 at the time. Okay. The same age as Joseph Cross. Uh, the, I think the I main, was 12. The main kid in this. Yeah. Yeah. You were born in 87? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was 86. Yeah. Um, I think Joseph Cross went on to do some cool stuff. He oh, was yeah. the, the son in Lincoln. Uh, that's mm-hmm. what I saw him mm-hmm. in most recently. Uh, Running with Scissors, I thought was an, another pretty good movie. The Augustus, Augustin Burroughs. I did find... Uh, one funny tidbit about Hanson, they do have a um, Facebook group called uh, Hanson Tattoos, <laughs> which I guess there's like Hanson super fans out there. Yeah, and for sure. uh, yeah, it's a lot of like uh, I think predominantly women in their mid to late 30s at this point. <laughs> yeah, that but makes there's sense. some pretty ridiculous Hanson tattoos that they've gotten. <sighs> Gross, yeah, I did like. Still have a devout following, I guess. Well, that that's and we had talked about this a little bit before the podcast. Um, I'm shocked that they still have followers, um, and I'm shocked that the followers have been upset with them recently. Um, <laughs> just because you're like, what did you expect? <laughs> did Do we? You? We have. I think we may have another Hanson song okay. coming up again. So, yeah, yeah. Well, we have. We I'll tease it. Right. We've <laughs> uncovered some some uh, some Hans- some dark Hanson <laughs> news. <laughs> We've got Hanson's PR guy on the phone, um, uh, yeah. and he is he's tearing his hair out. A little right disconcerting, <laughs> but uh, yeah, stick with us, and we'll yeah, get yeah. to it. We'll, we'll address yeah, it later. Yeah. I don't Sounds think good. it's as groundbreaking as maybe you yeah. guys do, but <laughs> imagine. Yeah, it still worry. made me feel weird. <laughs> if you're a huge Hanson fan, maybe uh, tune out after the break. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys want to hear some of track number eight, please? <laughs> I mean, honestly. <laughs> I don't know. Let's do it. Want or have to? (laughs) (laughs) Jars of clay, five candles. You were there. Skies broke wide, wide. 
You know, uh, usually at the end of uh, a track listing episode, uh, Caleb will have us pick a uh, favorite and least favorite track, and I feel like this is going to be a real tough one. <laughs> we've been in lockstep for the last, I don't even know how many episodes with uh, pretty yeah, much... Yeah, we've been shaking hands. So or, I'm excited. Or tapping elbows. I'm excited for, for a little bit of uh, a debate, but this is... Oh, man. Jars of Clay. Growing up, Jars of Clay was probably the most prominent uh, crossover Christian. Christian rock band right. that I yeah I would say you know Amy Grant I feel like was pretty Christian and was like a pop act hmm. um, but yeah. Jars of Clay it was like even their name like as kids people were like you know it's some sort of weird Bible thing and you're like what <laughs> yeah I went to a religious school growing up and uh, yeah they were really big when I was in middle school and you know I hated them <laughs> I was busy listening to, uh, you know, corn and Limp Biscuit at the time. <laughs> well, Jars of Clay had a crossover hit, a song that uh, I remember being pretty, I mean, like a good kind of alternative rock pop song called Flood that is like, as a kid, you're kind of like, yeah, I like that song. And then like, whenever somebody mentioned that they were, and you're like, yeah, it's about oh, the wait, arc, the, right? wait, the flood? Biblical flood. Right. And like, even this the, song. The level when you're younger of like what it takes to uh, make you think that something is good or cool. Yeah. Th- it, the bar is so low. Well, it's like this, but it's, <laughs> the thing that I love about these Christian rock bands is how insidious they're trying to like sneak in. Like this song, if you listen to it, it's, uh, you know, the lyrics it's pretty clear that it's about Jesus, but they want to make it just a little bit like uh, palatable where maybe it could be about a girl. It's a lot of like, I love you so much. And you like, mm-hmm. you know, my, the, the skies opened up when I saw you and you're yeah. everything to me. And you're yeah. kind of like, yeah, it's about a girl. People are like, uh, have I told you about uh, the good news? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> you were there. No. no. Jesus. You were there. You were there when I needed you most. Oh, man. You're like, is this about? What is this about? It's still so funny. A father's love? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Father's love. Gross. Uh, this this song is playing when, um, I guess, so Michael Keaton's melting, and we got to get him higher altitude. So uh, Charlie Frost has to hoist his dad into the back of a truck bed. And uh, he enlists the help of the Rory bully. the bully, who also has no dad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and he like drops some weird line. He's like, "Never met my dad." Yeah, yeah like, get over it, kid. Which, which is like, <laughs> he drops uh, it earlier. <laughs> he drops it earlier, and, and I'm glad it, like it came full circle because I was like, if they just let that go that is a very like um cathartic line that bully dropped that he'll never realize like how important it was that he said that (laughs) exactly he needs to get over his his dad died a year ago he needs to get over it (laughs) i never even met my dad (laughs) (laughs) and you're like yeah man you okay (laughs) hey bud hey sport i feel like doing all right bud the bully is the only person who changes it all over the year i think his hair changes yeah. I think he has like more spiky hair. Yeah, it gets like even more nineties, which is awesome. <laughs> I think it's just like that bully hair is still terrifying. Oh yeah. man. This <laughs> goddamn bully. <laughs> Michael Keaton's hair is pretty terrifying in this too. Oh yeah. That's right. It's uh, gelled, you know, what what balding hair he has left is gelled and and uh frosted and uh he's like it's okay. So the What bully, was the budget for this movie? Eighty five million dollars. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I'm not even kidding. Okay. It was a box office. They could flop. have worked that out. Uh, yeah, this movie lost so much money. But but he looked honestly. I think he it was the perfect. He played it perfectly. Like he's like a gross band dad, <laughs> who's like a I guess a Christmas cover band that's like sultry a little bit. So like 
He's in reality, he's like playing weddings and like debutante parties, and that's how he's making his money. And he's got the soul patch and like has dyed his graying hair blonde. <laughs> and he's just like, it's that attempt to be youthful when he's like, ah, dude, you're like 50 something. He's married to Kelly Preston. He's got a beautiful yeah. home. Yeah. And he's got several harmonicas. My guess is that Kelly Preston <laughs> came from money and that he played one of her oh. debutante parties and they ran off together and the family ostracized them. But they gave her enough money to sort of support him. And then later on, she was like, I got to get a generic bank job. It sounds so like you might be a little too familiar with this story. <laughs> I'm just, these, I, it's I, pretty okay, clear. Just, just pretty, a shot in the dark. It's pretty clear that dark. Jack Frost's death had no economic impact on the family. Correct. There's never anybody like, oh, how are we going to make ends meet now that Jack's gone? I don't know. It's They're like, f- oh, nobody's fixed that leak in the sink. <laughs> no, <laughs> man. He was in a blues band. They're saving money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, making money. <laughs> All that money we were dropping on expensive harmonicas. Oh man! <laughs> I do have a I do have a strange theory, and maybe to, right now is the best time to say it. But um, before I forget, you can edit it in wherever you want. <laughs> I do have a strange theory, and that it's so George Clooney, who we talked about, dropped out way late in the project to do Batman and Robin. Yeah. Okay. Which stars Mister Freeze. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. And if you tune in to the uh, episode that we did with Seely Schumer's podcast, uh, still got it. You'll know that we talked about Batman and Robin and the inordinate amount of puns about freezing and cold, <laughs> iced, chill. I think chill. Yeah. George Clooney had already seen the script and he was ad libbing a lot of the. He was like telling Arnold Schwarzenegger, like, I got some ice puns for you. <laughs> and I think he fed all those. That's why Batman and Robin is so filled with chili puns. Because <laughs> he was like, he had <laughs> Jack Frost on he, the brain. Yeah, he had Frost brain. <laughs> he had Frost Clooney brain. was probably like, oh man. I, I'm so lucky to be here. I was almost in this terrible movie about a snowman. And it's like, you got to read the script. And then it's, it infected Batman and Robin with the terrible energy from Jack Frost and made that a oh, bomb no. as well. It was the curse of Jack Frost. <laughs> Guys, let's, uh, let's warm up with a little bit of track nine. Let's do it. This is Lucinda Williams with Can't Let Go. I'm like a fish out of water, a cat in a tree. You don't even want to talk to me. Well, it's old. But I can't let go He won't take me back when I come around Says he's sorry, then he puts me out I got a big chain around my neck And I'm broken down like a train wreck Well, it's over, I know it, but I can't let go See, I got a candle that burns so bright In my window every night Well, it's over, I know it, but I can't let go Nice, nice. This is uh, this is playing in the car as yeah. uh, Jack Frost is. <laughs> he's like kind of comically struggling with the with the snow coming down, and then he yeah. <laughs> ends up dying very abruptly. It's really scary. <laughs> it's a scary scene. You can't see through the windshield, and it's like a mountain yeah, road. Really I was kind of so I started the movie, and I guess I kind of in the back of my mind knew that it was about a guy who dies and and is reincarnated as a snowman. But I think part of my brain was with the tone at the beginning, I was like, oh, this is about how he like, maybe he like bumps into a gypsy and then he like wakes up the next day and he's a snowman or some sort of like uh, something less dark. Um, no explanation. And this is happening. I'm like, oh yeah, he's going to fucking die. Yeah. And he's listening to the song, which I will say is very appropriate. I feel like this is the music that Jack Frost would be aspiring to. 
Yeah, yeah. getting back to Lucinda Williams, she's uh, she's actually really good. She's really good, and yeah. I, I actually like this song. It's not my style of music, but I, I like this song. Yeah, this is a little bit more of like a modern sound, but she's got some good stuff out there. She's from uh, Lake Charles in Louisiana originally, yeah. and yeah. she started gaining no- notoriety when she was in her 20s playing shows in Austin and uh, in Houston. Mm. And uh, yeah, she's the real deal. Yeah, yeah, Lucinda Williams. Um, yeah, right across the the lake from New Orleans. You That's know? right. Yeah, yeah. This is probably 1998. So uh, Mark Addy's like broken down like Cadillac or whatever the fuck that car is. Yeah, probably what has, kind of car is that? I don't it's know. A cool car. It probably has one tape in it that's just on repeat, and you can't even eject it. Yeah. It's just like fucking Jack Frost is just white knuckling down the fucking <laughs> it's like precarious Colorado interstate. Oh, God, man. That <laughs> happened to a, a friend of mine that I used to hang out with a bunch growing up. His dad had this uh, CD player in uh, in their car and, and the uh, the disc changer was like under the seat. Yeah, or no, 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 it was in the trunk. Yeah, oh, I had yeah. one, so I had one just, that was in the trunk. It was, so you, you're just stuck with whatever is in the trunk. Yeah, it, it got messed up at some point. So it was just like the wall was just in there. <laughs> and if you're in the car, it's the wall. It's and the maybe wall. that's why I love the wall. The radio or the wall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I do love Mark Addy's character in this. I think he's, you know... Um, I thought he was going to move in on Jack Frost's uh, <laughs> widow, <laughs> Kelly Preston. Uh, he doesn't. He's a good, he's an honorable man, and he's still looking out for her, and he, he babysits for uh, Charlie at one point, um, and he... <laughs> <laughs> They're watching Stevie Ray Vaughan on the TV, oh, yeah, yeah. and he's like, "Ah, oh, your dad. You, we played a gig with this guy. You, you, your dad loved this guy." And I was like, "Oh man, that's gonna be me soon." And then I was like, "That's me now." <laughs> like, <laughs> I'd like to believe that uh, Mark Addy's character Mac brought tapes of Stevie Ray Vaughan to play for Charlie, thinking it he like would it was enjoy just, it. It was just on the. But it, I know, the but, funny thing is in but, that like I didn't realize at first that it was Steve Ravon and uh and he's like giving he's like oh yeah your dad loved this guy he's getting yeah, and he's it getting shows rained on you, you kind of hear it a little bit and you're like oh Heavily. yeah like there's yeah. some like blues and then it's like oh he actually opened and then it cuts to the and it's this video that it seems like it was made for a ridiculous uh Christmas movie but it was an actual video I think well, I mean when I first saw it because you can't really hear the song at the beginning I was like wait is that the music video for Texas Flood because it's like Kind of that slash thing, yeah. you know, that happened in the '90s, or just getting rained on. Yeah, and, and it's, uh, but it's not—it's not Texas Flood. It's some other Stevie Ray Vaughan song that I don't know. It's some like Austin City Limits like recording or something crazy. Man. It's called uh, "Couldn't Stand the Weather." Couldn't stand the weather. And it's a video. It's a very uh, yeah. Stevie Ray Vaughan looks cracked out of his mind. <laughs> he was. <laughs> yeah, he was. He's <laughs> wearing this like cowboy hat, and there's just rain just piling onto him. <laughs> there's some of the, the rain is coming down so heavily, it's like bending the brim of the hat. Dude, like, there was some old Stevie Ray Vaughn interview. I think maybe Chris and I were watching, and uh, it's got to be like late '80s, early '90s when he was like heavy, heavy drug user. Yeah, and he's, he's, get, the- he's giving some press interview, and he's talking about snakes in his house, yeah. and he's how like he's talking, he's bragging about this gun that he has and how he just takes out snakes in his house. And yeah. he's got, he's pretty wild, and he's he coked out of his mind. Yeah. He's like, yep, open the drawer. There's Copperhead right there. Yep. Excuse, excuse me, Cottonmouth, Cottonmouth right yeah. there. <laughs> It's like jumped right out of me, <laughs> and I uh, pulled out. Well, thank God I have a six shooter. I managed. <laughs> yeah, the interviewer's like, "Oh wow, that's really cool." 
Man, fucking great. One of the best. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was such a good, like, uh, a moment in the script that uh, that Mac was, like, the kind of guy that's like, oh, hey, kid, you're going to love this old Stevie Ray Vaughan <laughs> music video. And he's just, like, is so out of touch with what a child would actually be entertained by at that point. Very, very true. Guys, it looks like we're coming up on a break. Ah, we're coming up on a break. At the end of the episode, we are going to add a track to the Tracklist in Spotify playlist. Um, this week, we're recommending, in honor of Jack Frost, our favorite comeback song. Mm-hmm. Comeback song. Uh, Jack Frost had arguably one of the greatest comebacks of all time. <laughs> From the dead. A year snowman. after he died. Yeah. On a, uh, <laughs> Movie magic. <laughs> <laughs> all right, stay warm, listeners. Stick with us. What's up, track listers? Oh, no. <laughs> this, is, this is the new way we're doing track No, no, let's, let's no, go no, with no, it. No, this no, is no. going well. Are we doing this? Okay, hey, okay, guys, okay. Uh, we love to hear from you, so uh, please reach out to us on a variety of different uh, social medias. You can find us on Instagram. That's at tracklistingpodcast. Uh, you can rate and review in the iTunes store, and you can email us at gmail tracklistingpodcast at gmail.com and uh, please tell your friends tell everybody you know that you think might enjoy the podcast about the podcast also I think iTunes doesn't exist anymore but whatever (laughs) 2020 here we come uh, Spotify you can follow our uh, official tracklisting playlist on Spotify and you know send in your own recommendations Spotify still exists today's episode is brought to you by Lisa Mattresses our unofficial sponsor (laughs) we're all laying down as we record this I'm a purple guy to be honest I don't know. Purple. Bidding war. (laughs) Lisa, purple. Fight it out for us. Come at us, purple. We love y'all. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the uh, Jack Frost soundtrack. But before we uh, dive back into those... uh, Icy Waters. I think Chris has a game prepared for us. That's correct. I've got a uh, one-off game that I'm going to call <laughs> Tinsel Time Tune. <laughs> Tinsel Time Tinsel Time Because this is our Christmas and holiday um, episode, I found out that almost everyone we know musically has made a Christmas album or written oh, a Christmas no. song Uh-oh. or covered a Christmas I, I see song. see where this is going. And I hope you guys have a, have a, a cute enough ear that you can um, identify <laughs> some of our favorite artists that may have written uh, one of the worst Christmas songs of all time. Okay. So, I think I like where this is going. Okay. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you the name of the song. All right. We're going to play a little portion of the song, and then you guys are going to have to guess okay. who's singing that song. Who's I the hope artist? That, I hope that you have some clues prepared if we need help. I think um, I think you guys are smart enough, and we've done this podcast enough that you guys are gonna okay are gonna be able to identify but i do have some clues how many how many rounds do we have we have four four clues four rounds all right buckle up guys let's go you guys are working together so because it's right we're bumping elbows we're on the holiday christmas spirit merry christmas everyone merry christmas let's do this round one this is called christmas tree so that sounds pretty pretty nice right yeah okay christmas tree one christmas tree yeah let's hear it okay the only place you wanna be is underneath my Christmas tree. The only place you wanna be is underneath my Christmas tree. Light me up, put me on top. Let's fall la 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 la. Light me up, put me on top. Let's fall la 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 la. 
All right, I think I'm feeling pretty good about uh, round one. Caleb, really? Caleb's got those icy Clooney <laughs> snowman eyes. <laughs> but we are working together. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm, I'm not picking up, I don't know. It kind of reminds me of like bad Madonna rap. Uh, pretty warm, pretty close to what I'm thinking. Getting warm. Is it more contemporary? Is that like yes. a Iggy Azalea? In the right territory. I'm thinking that that's Lady Gaga. Oh, you think that might be Gaga? Yeah, it sounds Gaga y. Right. It's definitely right in between Madonna and Iggy Azalea. Yeah. Uh, is that Lady Gaga with Christmas Tree? That is Lady yeah! Gaga with Christmas Tree. Not even on a Christmas album. That's on the Fame Monster. Whoa! Wait, really? 2009. <laughs> 2008, excuse oh me. Oh my God. 2008. Caleb's melting. <laughs> Jesus. All right, easy. Okay, that was easy. They're going to get progressively weirder or harder depending that on was, who you are. <laughs> I will say that the sound of the music in that track is very disturbing. Yeah, uh, cacophonous, I would say. Yeah, too many things. Not on, not on a holiday album. I don't know two songs. Songs playing at the same time. Yeah. Round two. <laughs> right. Round two. The name of this song is Funky Funky Christmas. <laughs> All right. So uh, this better be Hanson. All right. Let's hear a little bit of uh, Funky Funky Christmas. Funky Funky Christmas. Funky Funky Christmas. Oh, I have an idea. I thought How I heard, are you feeling? I thought I heard a name mentioned. You did hear a name, and I'm worried. Wait, uh, what, what is your feeling? Uh, I, I didn't catch the name at the end. Uh, it, <laughs> it's going to sound a little ridiculous. It sound it kind of sounds like that's Funky Funky Christmas by Stomp featuring Vanilla Ice. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Right, I wish uh, it is not Stomp. It is not Vanilla Ice. It's not Vanilla I Ice. Was, I was I was pretty lyrics. confused, especially with how uh, reverby and how this sounds like somebody was just uh, stuck their phone into a recording session and got a taste of what was happening inside. Yeah, it sounds I, like it was recorded inside of a shoe. I thought I heard the name Jordan, which makes me think it might be a New Kids on the Block. Okay. It sounds about right. You know your new kids on the block. That's new kids on the block. Funky, funky Christmas from their album. Merry, merry Christmas. 1989. I see. I see. Cold track. See? We haven't heard a good song yet in this episode. Pretty incredible. We're not going to. Unprecedented. We're not going to. Um, You guys want to move on to Clue 3? Yes, please. This song is called You'll Shoot Your Eye Out. Perfect. You'll shoot your eye out. Okay. Clue three. Checking my list, the gifts you're receiving from me will be one awkward silence and two hopes. You cry yourself to sleep, staying up, waiting by the phone. And all I want this year is for you to dedicate your last breath to me before you bury. All right, we're you know we're in the territory. We've got like some dashboardy guitars and you know some singer that's like from the I don't know like some forty one or well, some this, band like that. This is definitely outside of my uh, my period of being aware of the terrible music that was happening. This is like I I kind of picked up like Fallout Boy. Yeah, it's like emo vocals. Something, something emo, some emo lead singer. It's a reference to uh, what is it? The Christmas story, the you'll shoot your eye out. Uh huh. I'm gonna guess Fallout Boy. 
It is fall. All right. Hey. It is fall, boy. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Who knew they had a Christmas song? <laughs> Not me. I found it today. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> oh, man. What a turd. I'll turn. shoot my <laughs> eye out. What a turd. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, round four, dare I say. Round four. Um, this is uh, a song called Backdoor Santa. Oh, God. Oh, no. Backdoor Santa. Let's hear a little bit of that. All right. Here we go. Oh man, mm-hmm. it's like something uh, like Brett Michaels adjacent. I was gonna say the the house band from uh, from Roadhouse with the <laughs> oh. the double deuce. Is that the double deuce? That's the name of the place. Yeah, yeah. Um, is this like Tia Carrere's band that, from Wayne's World is doing that a their solo? Female vocalist. It is a male vocalist. It's a male vocalist. Yeah, it's male. And uh, just for a little hint, this was released in 1992. However, this is the one song that's a cover. Everyone else was original. I found out too late that this artist did not write the song. Uh, it was originally a 1968 song. Yeah, I think I've actually heard it. It's kind of like a raunchy uh, R&B blues. It is. It is. Um, it's correct. And hear that clip once more. Is it, uh, Before we hear it, is this a band or a solo act? A little column A, a little column B. All right, let's hear The guitar sounds very Van Halen-y. It's very Van Halen-y. Might that be Sebastian Bach on vocals? It is not Sebastian From Skid Bach. Row? It's ah, not Sebastian Bach. Okay, it's, but is, am I close? You guys, are, you guys are orbiting in the correct um, galaxy. Okay. Correct <laughs> is harsh it somebody realm? who's had a, uh, <laughs> a reality show on VH1? I feel like <laughs> that, that was, Michaels type yeah, of... Yeah, I said Brett Michaels. Um, I'm going to say no, but there's a but huge <laughs> possibility that, that there's one that I don't know of. Um, I'm trying to think he, of... He's bigger than both Brett Michaels and Sebastian Bach. I'll put it that way. Oh, okay. Um, he has had a solo career. But this is the band playing all together. It's like Sammy Hagar, but it's it's not really Hagar-y. It's not Axl who's, Rose. Who's like the bigger hair metal singer than Brett Michaels? <sighs> it's not Bon Jovi. It's not John uh, it's Bon Jovi. Is that Bon Jovi? It is Bon Jovi. Ah! It's Bon Jovi. Oh. John yeah. Bon mm-hmm. Jovi. Backdoor Santa. <laughs> off, of the, off of the album, please come home for Christmas. <laughs> okay. Time to shut down the podcast. It's officially over, guys. Well, that was Tinsel Time Tunes. Hey! hey tinsel Time Tunes. Here's the other thing. I had about, <laughs> I had about 10 clues that I could have done because everyone has made a Christmas song. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. like the thing you do after you've come out with two albums. You just feel like, whatever christmas who cares i did find out cash out somewhere in my research for this uh pretty terrible jack frost soundtrack (laughs) the uh the band train 
who mm. I think we recently talked about maybe on some episode, they like did a perfect recreation of Led Zeppelin two for some stupid reason. Mm. They've got a uh, they've got a Christmas a album. Christmas album called Christmas in Tahoe, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> please, please don't listen to it. That was one of the songs I was going to put on there, <sighs> but it was too. I mean, it was just shitty and generic, and I'm yeah, like, yeah, it, Train would have been <laughs> random. I don't know enough Christmas about Train. Christmas in to- Tahoe. <laughs> yeah, God, <laughs> Train sucks. Uh, sucks. <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh enough of this bad music let's jump back into the jack frost soundtrack <laughs> yeah you guys are welcome you guys god are welcome. save us <laughs> this is track number 10 coming back this is steve poltz with leaving again you can see you're coming back you can see you're leaving i wish that you would let me know so I could stop my grieving And when the clouds roll back I think of you The springtime makes me grin And every time I turn around You're leaving again You're leaving again You're leaving a sleepy Steve Poltz. I didn't know too much about Steve Poltz before. Steve Poltz. Steve Poltz. <laughs> yeah. Listening to this soundtrack. I did find I an interesting. Yeah. I did find some interesting uh, Steve Poltz uh, info out there. Uh, it looks like he's been up to some new music in 2020 during Ooh. the pandemic. And it looks like Steve Poltz has a song out that just came out recently called uh, Quarantine Blues. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> let, let's go ahead and hear a little bit of what uh, Steve Poltz has been up to oh, uh, since the pandemic started. <sighs> okay. Let's check it out. Here's a uh, quarantine blues. I cannot wait. Searched the whole skyscraper trying to steal some toilet paper. Made a bong out of a peach. Gonna brush my teeth with bleach. I prayed for a vaccine. I learned about hydroxychloroquine. Yeah. I was sitting on the toilet trying to get some unemployment and stayed in the bathroom for a meeting on Zoom. Forgot I wasn't wearing pants. I did a little dance. I was jiggling down below and everybody got a free show. Oh, man. I don't. I don't know. Turn it off. Turn it off. I don't know what's happening with um, blues music these days, but <laughs> we've, you know, in some recent episodes, we've heard a little bit from Van Morrison, oh, and then we heard from Van Morrison God, and Eric man. Clapton with their it's driving people crazy anti-lockdown songs, and I feel like we may be hearing some anti-vaccination blues yeah. pretty pretty soon here. In, just a hunch. In Steve Poltz's defense, this didn't sound like... Sitting on the toilet yeah, trying to get some it, unemployment. He was just talking just about... It sounded stupid. He was just hitting all the uh, the keywords. Yeah. Um, it wasn't uh, a... Of, it, it's not an anti-lockdown song. It wasn't no, no, it's not politically offensive. It right. was just aesthetically offensive. But it is a <laughs> shitty COVID blues song. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'll say... <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was going to say, like... This is also like early quarantine blues. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like Everybody we're past is, that. The toilet paper. <laughs> the toilet paper thing. No one's talking about that. Zoom. Man, uh, I pulled uh, a frequent collaborator with Jewel. I think is maybe the claim okay. to fame or maybe his uh, claim to royalty checks. Mm. And uh, this song on the soundtrack, the leaving again. I feel like it's leaning hard onto uh, a theme. It's kind of half-heartedly taken in the first half of the movie where Mm. you're supposed to believe that Michael Keaton's character, Jack Frost, they want to make him like a cats in the cradle, like neglectful father. Never there, misses the hockey game. Yeah. yeah. But it seems like he he only ever misses one hockey game. 
because he's kind of like the the music thing taken off is very brand new so it seems like he's been around for everything I, I don't think so Charlie's pretty butthurt uh, like the whole time he makes like jabs at his dad okay when uh, Mark Addy shows him the Stevie Ray Vaughan thing he's like your dad loves Stevie Ray Vaughan he's like glad he had time for somebody <laughs> Like he's, he's like Dude. Charlie's pissed and he's like 11 or 12 so like I, I think he's just hanging out with his music buddies all the time I don't know man at the beginning it's kind of like ah there's something you gotta know about your old man I'm actually a musician and it's something that I've been wanting to do for a while and uh, it hasn't come up because I'm here all the time I guess and <laughs> I haven't met Dweezled Zappa yet. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure about the future of blues music at this point, guys. I think it might be a, a dim light at the end of the tunnel. I think people were saying that 20 years ago, man. Yeah. They, they were wrong. probably right 20 years ago. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think the blues... <laughs> this blues is bad. The 20th century. The COVID <laughs> blues we just heard was bad. Yeah, What's was, happening? Well, it was pretty bad. Um, but you're, you're right. There is like a, a theme of like leaving, I guess, the, the song... Um, uh, that Michael Keaton sings to uh, Kelly Preston is like, she's like, sing that song. And it's like, every time I leave, I sigh a little more, which is a, a Ray Charles song or, or maybe even before that. Anyway, but he sings, it's all about leaving. And then at the end, he, I gotta go. I gotta leave. <laughs> I don't know why now. I don't know. I gotta go. <laughs> he just leaves. The end is so weird. Yeah, the oh, yeah. En- ending's bizarre. <laughs> I'm surprised we're not hearing from the Goo Goo Dolls on this soundtrack, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. With some of that uh, that last song that we heard. Yeah, it would have been good timing. What's, uh, some of the acoustic music, but you know, who knows? It could be up next. Let's hear the next track. <sighs> it looks like up next is track 11, the Jack Frost Band again. <laughs> with Have a Little Faith. against the wall Ooh, I'm somewhere in the middle not remotely in the center of the ice cold i have to applaud the producers of this film's complete denial of the musical industry as it would have been in 1998 Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like i mean i guess we're it's a fantasy world where people are reincarnated as uh as snowmen but also we're supposed to believe that this is like gonna be the hot new 1998 sound hey it's your cousin dweezil Listen to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, he pulls it back to the future, man. Yeah, he's holding up the phone. Uh, not to this song, but to the Frosty the yeah, Snowman the song. Snowman song. It's the same band. Uh, this is during like the recording montage. <laughs> His massive Motorola flip phone, <laughs> yeah. which is pretty great. But yeah, we should mention that there's three Zappa people in this movie. That's right, there's three, three Zappa kids. There's um, Amit, Moon Unit, and Dweezil make an appearance in this movie. Uh, Moon Unit is one of the teachers going like, slow down, kids, at the very beginning. and then uh, <laughs> Feet are meant for walking, not for running. 
some weird zapism. <laughs> And then uh, the uh, snowplow driver is uh, Ahmet Zappa, <laughs> and he's great. Like he has the uh, the smallest role, but he's always jamming out to some great songs, like mm-hmm. Fog Hat and like all these sort of things. But. Yeah, I'm kind of confused about like what Michael Keaton's trying to do on the vocals on that song. It sounds like he's kind of trying to do like a Tom Waitsy kind of affectation. I think the reason why celebrities are attracted to blues is you can fake it a little bit if you just like rasp up your voice and like really like gutturally like try <laughs> you know yeah if you really like put your um your stomach into it you can kind of fake being a passionate singer i guess does that I sound crazy it, my my feeling has always been that it's like a structure where it's like lazy man's jazz where uh if you fancy yourself a musician and you're around real musicians and you're famous you kind of be like uh you mind if i hop in and do a little little harp <laughs> and people are like is that fucking michael Keaton? yeah yeah man yeah get on get up in here. here yeah jim belushi get on stage and he's like i've done this with some like real blues musicians and they say i'm really good it's like uh you sure it's yeah, not because yeah, you're michael keaton fucking michael keaton and they're just kind of happy that you know they're like really bored with playing the blues every fucking day of their life yeah, you're steven seagal and we got some friends that were like big under siege fans i don't know like <laughs> Like, oh man. But uh, I mentioned the Zappas are in this movie, and uh, three people from Mr. Show are in this movie as well. And there's hey, like, Mr. Show, yeah, shout out. Yeah. Uh, Paul F. Tompkins is, uh, <laughs> he's in the first concert scene with the, uh, the Jack Frost band, and apparently he had a, a scene that was cut or they didn't even end up filming it. Um, there's a, if you search Jack Frost and Paul F. Tompkins, he's got this Twitter conversation mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, you were in the crowd. What's going on? And you hear him audibly go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently there was a scene where he whispers to Jim Turner, who's a character actor as well. He, w- Paul F. Tompkins whispers to Jim Turner and then Jim Turner goes, are you really named Jack Frost? And Michael Keaton goes, Yeah. And that was supposed to be the scene. <laughs> and Paul F. Tompkins thought it would be funny if he whispered again, and then the guy, and Jim Turner goes, really? And then Michael Keaton goes, yeah. But uh, apparently Michael Keaton <laughs> sort of lost patience with it, and they were just like, we don't, we don't know. But he's in this, uh, John Ennis is in this, and uh, as the truck driver, and Jay Johnston is the weatherman. Yeah. And then there's some clips of Mr. Show when Charlie's like flipping They're to the flipping TV. They're flipping around. I, th- I felt like you could hear David Cross's voice. You hear him and there's like the ding dong burger is uh, one of the sketches <laughs> that if you stayed on that sketch, you would hear them go like, fucking, it's awesome. Hey, fuck you, <laughs> asshole. Which is great. Um, but uh, it's Troy Miller directed this and he was uh, uh, one of the directors of all the Mr. Show on like location sketches. Oh, okay. So... That's that's the connection. I, I love it's a show, and I also yeah. I kind of liked when they brought they brought it back for like a Netflix. Was it Bob and David? It wasn't mm-hmm. called Mr. Yeah. Show, uh, but there's the really good uh, the good cop bad cop. Yeah, the interrogation but sketch. The sensitive. Uh, yeah. Look it up. I'm I'm not gonna do the whole sketch here, but it's yeah. genius. Said it was an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I have some uh, some great news. It looks like up next we have Hanson hey! Hey! coming back in with Merry Christmas, baby. Oh, 
Woof. That is a... Uh, <laughs> woof. <laughs> yeah, that's all I can really say about that song. It's a uh, very heavily recorded Christmas song. I actually like the original song. As far as like kind of contemporary Christmas songs, that's up there for me. It's been recorded by the likes of uh, Steve Polt, actually. Hey. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Gary Glitter's got a version of that song. <laughs> Gary uh, Glitter's in the movie. Gary Glitter's <laughs> in the soundtrack. Well, not on the actual soundtrack, but in the film. The film. Yeah, lots of, uh, lots of covers of that track. And um, I was doing a little bit reading up on Hanson because I was like, we've got three Hanson tracks. What else are we going to say? <laughs> I saw like in the news yesterday that uh, Taylor Hansen is expecting his seventh child. That is the young, the youngest Hansen. No, it's the middle. It's the middle one? I think it's the middle. Yeah, Zach was the youngest, okay. the drummer. There was yeah. Isaac and there was Taylor. Taylor and Hansen is the most like effeminate looking of them all. <laughs> they've okay. got the daintiest looking. They've got 14 or they will have 14 children between the three of them. And the Hansons themselves are from a family of seven. It's a pretty big family. They're Scientists from say that eventually everyone will be in one way a Hanson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Modern science. Yeah. And uh, it did lead me down a rabbit hole, which uh, I guess Hanson had an article that was in uh, Vice magazine mm-hmm. that came out in the past month that was a little bit uh, uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And um, what can we say about this this Vice article? And uh, it was also covered by, uh, I think, Variety as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the story goes... You clued me in on this, but uh, the story goes that some of the fans were wondering why they, the Hanson, who are, I guess Hanson's still very uh, active in social media. and They, they were, still have a very loyal, but small, devoted fan smallish. base. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Hanson had been a little quiet about the kind of the Black Lives Matter movement and, and everything going on. It was a time where you kind of expected everybody to... Uh, Everyone had to weigh in. Yeah, you know? weigh in a little bit with support or... or and, uh, Your yeah, silence is betrayal. Yeah, Hanson's uh, black fans spoke up yeah. and said, uh, yeah, your silence is uh, kind of freaking us out a little and bit. And so they, they did kind of come in a little bit late with some lukewarm uh, uh, <laughs> support of the movement. And then I guess somebody started digging on Pinterest. <laughs> yeah, they started digging around <laughs> and they found um, the, the youngest Hanson, Zach, who was the drummer uh, the that drummer. you may remember... He has a since deleted. I find this so strange that this was on Pinterest as well. <laughs> Pinterest. Yeah, don't but get a Who has a Pinterest? He, he was <sighs> posting photos <sighs> and commenting on photos on Pinterest, uh, like these memes. Yeah. It's like right wing memes. They were like homophobic, racist, transphobic. Uh, Very pro gun. Pro gun. Yeah. And, you know, you could read his comments. And <laughs> his comments are all like, this, yeah, this is great. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> Yeah, he's like, nice. And uh, I guess, you know, they tried to, fans reached out and Zach did confirm that it was his Pinterest account and apologized and said, I was joking. It's funny. <laughs> They're memes. So they, Pinterest memes. They, they lost a lot of fans uh, after that. And then the, uh, the third piece is uh, their you know, the family's response to, uh, COVID, yeah. <laughs> which, um, the other brother, so Isaac also comes into the story. So he posted on, uh, you know, his Instagram account that, uh, you know, the government is trying to cancel Christmas and Thanksgiving and I will not personally abide by any guidelines mm-hmm. relating to the virus, which mm-hmm. also just, you know, lost a lot of fans and they're, you know, it's funny. I don't think they're a band how, that can afford how, to lose any fans at this point. It's funny how bad opinions are attracted to each other. <laughs> but I can't, you know, I can honestly say that I'm not surprised because Hanson fucking sucks. <laughs> 
I got it's good a bunch news. Of trash. I, I got good news for the Hanson brothers. We're not canceling Christmas here on podcasting. We're celebrating it by listening to your terrible fucking music. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, yeah, try to Hanson. You know, if you're listening to this, you uh, try to stay on the right side of history on this one, guys. I just, you know, shame on the fans for hanging on this long. What did you think was going to happen? What did you say? Do you think they were going to make like a turn and get better? No. <laughs> yeah, what's going to get progressively shittier over the years? Mind blowing. Oh, God. <sighs> yeah. Hanson tattoos, guys. Let's get them. <laughs> Hanson 2020. <laughs> yeah. Right. Thanks to uh, Vice Magazine for the uh, excellent reporting. <laughs> yeah. Semi breaking news. This song was playing while um, Charlie uh, had just uh, f- snowball fought uh, the seventh graders, and this was like that war scene happening with all the kids. You know, very. I guess they were playing up the, the snow aspect of the movie. Snow, a little bit, a little bit. Snowman making and and um, sledding and snowball fights were a huge part of this movie. They kind of forced in every holiday trope uh, they possibly could. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's yeah, he's walking home walking home to hopefully his dad coming home i guess mm-hmm. i liked it like you know early on in the film um he does find that harmonica <laughs> after true. his dad passes away yeah, well he, yeah and jack frost uh he like makes a snowman early on with his son when he, he carves out a little bit of time to hang out with him yeah and i kind of thought that was going to be the snowman that turned into him and uh mm-hmm. Michael Keaton tries to put a big dick on that snowman. Yeah. I guess, oh, that would have come in handy. <laughs> so when Allison and I were watching the movie, the, you know, when the movie starts, you know, you know, you get the sense like, you know, he's about to get signed and he, and then he gets in this car accident. Yeah. He dies. He doesn't get the label deal. And then it just, there's a shot where it pans out to their lawn and you see the snowman. Mm-hmm. And then we were like, what about if it just said like the end? <laughs> And it was just like a weird little short film. Okay. All right. I did want to ask you this, our, our resident musician here, Nick. Um, so I guess he gets the call. They're packing up to go to Jack Frost and the family are packing up to go to this cabin for the weekend for Christmas. And then he gets the call from Tweezel Zappa, I guess, who is like, you got to play this Christmas party tonight or excuse me, tomorrow night on Christmas or else you don't get the record deal. And then, uh, you know, Kelly Preston's like, well, let's think about this. Like, how long's the gig? He's like, oh, well, shoot. Um, maybe we could play like a 30 minute set. Maybe do a uh, two, three, two. And I was like, oh, he's really done the research for the band lingo. What the fuck is a two, three, two? A two, three, two. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like the way that Michael Keaton improvs lines. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a made up I, I band think, term. I, I think, in, yeah, that sounds completely made up. I think in uh, like Mr. Mom, you know, he's like an electrician and. He ad libbed that line where he's, you know, the the client is like, all these all these outlets are going to be uh, two twenty, right? He's like two twenty, two twenty three, whatever it takes. <laughs> yeah, whatever. It takes. <laughs> I think that's a very Keaton esque ad lib, but yeah, I have no idea what that means. Hey, was, it, it baffled me because he was like, <laughs> I thought you were going to ask me what I would do in that situation. <laughs> what would you do in that situation? No, uh, um, no way, man. I I have a theory actually about this uh, this industry show that never happened. So they they go viral. It's like a little bit early, and I don't know if the internet exists. Nineteen ninety eight. They go viral. Dweezil. It, it's like somebody recorded their set where he plays uh, Frosty the Snowman, and everybody fucking loves it. And uh, you hear on the radio and local radio that people have been like playing it and uh, requesting God, these it. guys need a break and so they need a hit. <laughs> he gets um he has plans for christmas and then he he gets word that they really want him to come and play the showcase that's at a label head's house it's like yeah. a party that he's throwing 
and then uh, what a bygone concept. <laughs> and they they decide last minute to not go, and mm-hmm. it's like, how do I break it to the band? And the band's like, we don't want to go. And it's like, oh, this kind of nice scene. And Mark yeah. Addy is uh, he's like, if they like us today, they're gonna like us tomorrow, whatever. Yeah, I don't think there's ever a label. I don't think the label deal exists. I think that somebody's just trying to manipulate them because they are a Christmas band who's known for a Christmas song and somebody's having a Christmas party and they're just trying to <laughs> like trick these guys into driving up yeah. to play this guy's fucking Christmas party. Yeah, get them on the cheap. And then they can tell them to fuck off because they don't care. You know, they're not going to sign a Christmas band to a deal in January. Oh, man. Well, this adds a whole level to the thing. I'm telling you, man. I think you know Hunter Thompson was on the money with his quote about the music industry. I, th- I think it went along the lines of something like, "The music industry is a shallow money trench, <laughs> where like you know pimps run free and good men die like dogs." There's also a negative side. <laughs> yeah, man. It's fucking cutthroat, man. I don't think, but is, you're, it, you're, is it Dweezil's app? It's, the- it's Dweezil who's there in the club, and he's like. This has been perfect. This is exactly what you're looking for. Listen I don't to think this. he's even an A and R man. I think he's the fucking assistant. He's like the bad guy. <laughs> no, he's evil. like he is like an intern <laughs> yeah. for the label who just knows that they have to book people for this ha- this Christmas party. Dude, you're so right. And he's holding it They're up. They're a Christmas band to his immediate boss, who doesn't even work in like the talent side of the agency. There's yeah. just like the office manager. I think this is the <laughs> deepest that anyone has ever dug <laughs> into the script for Jack Frost. Let's get I don't deeper. Think anyone's ever gone let's this get deep. deeper yeah. <laughs> that's i think you're i think you're right that's i, my I think t- it's a big blues <laughs> ponzi scheme <laughs> and now i'm getting a hankering to write my uh, blues <laughs> covid standard or whatever he did have that one he's like ah, if i just had one hit <laughs> just yeah. like that old snl sketch with scarth brooks <laughs> oh, the devil comes <laughs> it's like devil can't write no love song oh that's so right. great it's will ferrell <laughs> yeah. and then he's like well, the best uh, sketch listen ever. to my song yeah. yeah my guitar is out of tune <laughs> <laughs> like the, the devil sucks at writing songs yeah oh man you guys want to hear some of track 13 love to i guess so more hands and oh no finally <laughs> track 13 this is fighting gravity with wait for you Okay, now I'm asking myself, who bought this soundtrack? (laughs) Did this sell any physical units? It exists. I mean, Hanson is a huge act at this point. Big draw. And I have to assume that since they all seem like live tracks, they probably exist on a live Christmas album. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in conjunction with this uh, terrible flop of a film, I'm sure that it sold some units. Uh, I think it did. I think it was a uh, definitely a stunt uh, <laughs> for the movie. That there's, I, I think Hollywood tried to scrub this one too because this is a big studio. This is a this was an, as I said, eighty five million dollar film. Eighty five million. Do you know the uh, the revenue? It made th- uh, seven million the first weekend, Oof. and I think thirty four overall. Okay. So it really, it lost a lot of money. Yeah. Big tank. I, and that's, I mean, the production budget never takes into account advertising, 
Yeah, yeah, of course. Right. And, and you know, I mean, this budget was like, you know, 60 to 85 million. So maybe it does. Well, but no, they, they say that the production budgets usually doubled in, uh, in, in advertising, advertising and like, PR. Yeah. Like, what happens? What happens when you make a movie that loses $50 million? Imagine and then doing you the, just... the press junket for fucking Jack Frost. <laughs> Okay, so. trying, to, trying to sell people on this movie and get people excited. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, usually if you search like, I was like Jack Frost, Michael Keaton interview, like him speaking on this, it's been scrubbed, baby. Okay. Um, but there is one interview and it's not even edited. It's like, the it's the whole interview and then it shows the other uh, side of like, <laughs> okay. it shows the interviewer camera. So it's just both cameras. It's raw but, footage. Like, it's raw footage. And it's Michael Keaton with this woman named Bobby Magyar. And uh, she's like an old lady. And they seem like they have a good rapport. And uh, she was like, "What did you like the script when you read it? And he was like, no. Uh, <laughs> but then I thought, you know, it could be cool. And uh, we've got Hanson in it. And you like Hanson. She's like, who are they? <laughs> she's like, she's oh, an wow. old lady. She's like a 70-year-old woman. <laughs> Um, but, um, that exactly. interview, it's worth watching, um, in that he's really trying to find, it, it's like when you, you see a friend's play that's really bad or something and you're like, oh, the set design, <laughs> so good. The lighting is really, the wigs, really nice. who, did yeah. the wigs? who did the, the wigs? wigs? The wigs were yeah. nice. <laughs> he's like yeah. trying to find, and it's like, it's about the, you know, the father son. And that's when they, they convinced me that, uh, you know, this would be a good film to do, but oh, it's man. funny. Okay. Wow. I should admit that uh, the impetus to choosing the soundtrack for uh, for this year's Christmas episode was, I think I was just like doom scrolling on Twitter and I saw some, a few mentions that it was like an anniversary for the Jack Frost soundtrack. And I was like, oh, I didn't even, and it was like, oh yeah, Hanson, like Jack Frost soundtrack. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Anniversary, we should do that. And I like lodged <laughs> in my head. And, I, yeah. and then like a couple days later, I like checked to see if it was like available, if we could get, and I was like, yeah, you can, I fucking downloaded the Jack Frost soundtrack. We're fucking doing this shit. Yeah. And then uh, in preparation, I was like, oh yeah, what was the anniversary? It's probably like a round number. It was like the 22nd year. It's the like, 22nd what? anniversary. <laughs> I was like, do people every year just be like every Christmas, it's oh, another no. anniversary to a Christmas film? <laughs> it is funny. That's terrible. <laughs> there are some fierce defenders of this movie, which I think there's fierce defenders of every movie, but there's like, you know what? Michael Keaton's great in this. Yeah. Kelly, Pre- Kelly Preston is great in this. Yes. Joseph Cross, the kid. The kid's good. He's great. Unjustified anniversary. <laughs> that, uh, that George Clooney snowman's pretty great. Snowman is fantastic looking. <laughs> Practical effects. Um, the CGI is pretty decent for 1998. I think it's fantastic. I think Roger Ebert uh, said it was one of the most horrifying monsters ever created for film. And it is. Like, if you look at it, you're like, yeah, this would be terrifying to see in real life. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, you've also got Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins. In the movie Rollins, for some really reason. Good. Yeah. Some great cameos. Some great cameos. Um, it kind of it really brings to life uh, the horror that's only implied in the Frosty the Snowman song, which is this idea that uh, a snowman comes to life and then realizes that it has like a, a day to live because the life of a snowman is inherently doomed even mm-hmm. more than a human life. It's a uh, there's nothing more present than the uh, impending death it's of a fucking snowman. like abominable snowman <laughs> from a Texas blues bar. <laughs> and it's just like that. He's like, oh, I'm alive again. Hop, hop, hop. And it's just like a heat wave hits and he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> There's OK. If, if we could dig deeper into that. All right. Um, there is a scene 
very beginning, right? So, uh, side note, landslide is the montage mm. when he's making the the snowman. And I was very surprised. I was like, wow, they're really going to play the whole song. Yeah, the whole song is played. Great song. Uh, but <laughs> Magical song. In their defense, I believe the magic that created the snowman was from Stevie Nicks' occult dark uh, powers. Witchy okay. woman. So, witchy woman. <laughs> no. But, um, Go deeper, so, Chris. <laughs> so... Uh, you got Michael Keaton, snowman. He gets run over by the plow, Tweezel Zappa, or excuse me, Ahmed Zappa, and then he's separated. And then he's talking to his torso, saying like, hey, you, and the torso points to me. (laughs) And then I was like, it freaks me out, because I was like, wait, once, once separated... These part, these segments of the snowman have their own sentience. Are we to believe and are autonomous? That each segment of the snowman is inhabited by the soul of another dead blues musician. That's <laughs> is, this I, is that's what I'm asking. Disambiguation. That's what I'm asking. Because and then when the then the torso Robert Johnson is the torso, <laughs> and Stevie Ray Vaughan is the bottom. You know, it's a bass player and it's a drum. It's a drummer. Yeah, the drummer's got to be the They're bottom. They're the ones Nobody with no voice. <laughs> Famous blues drummers. Name one. <laughs> Name one famous blues drummer. But uh, anyway. Steve Jordan. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> well, you just answered your Steve Jordan. <laughs> I right. did it. I know him. Nikki, what do we have next on the soundtrack? Guys, we are coming in on the last track. This is track number 14. This is Trevor Rabin with Frostbite. Trevor Rabin with a little bit of score mm-hmm. for the last track. Yeah, I believe. Mr. How you guys feeling? Mr. You guys look ice cold. <laughs> I uh, every t- every Christmas I pick a bad Christmas uh, soundtrack as kind of a a punishment for you guys for not being in the Christmas spirit, and I it ends up just backfiring on me, and I get depressed. <laughs> I don't know where this rumor that I'm not a Christmas spirit you guys person are a couple scrooges. Everybody knows that I'm a baby Grinch. You're, Everybody knows did that. You, did you see you're that, a like, Grinch and you're a Scrooge? That like baby Grinch meme that started floating around today. That baby Grinch looks exactly like Mitch McConnell. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, very very terrifying. <laughs> Oh my god! But yeah, Trevor Rabin. Anything on Trevor Rabin? Trevor Rabin. He did the score for this. He's uh, mm-hmm. produced a bunch of acts. He's the lead guitarist of the Jack Frost Band. <laughs> ah, yes. And yes. Yeah, and yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He the was in yes. yes. He played guitar <laughs> he in, in yes, yes for a stretch. Apparently, during the live recordings of uh, the Jack Frost Band, mm-hmm. um, according to Paul F. Tompkins, <laughs> like they started playing actual songs to keep the band or to keep the crowd entertained. And uh, they played Owner of a Lonely Heart, and everyone was like, yeah! It's <laughs> <laughs> a great song. Yeah, which is, it's very nice. They didn't have to do that, but they did it. Yeah. Um, I guess that wraps up the soundtrack. That is the Jack Frost. Yeah. <laughs> we could talk about the score more. Um, no, let's you know, go into the <laughs> 
All right, at the end of every episode, we do have to review the soundtrack, as is our tradition. We're going to lead off with Chris's review mm-hmm. out of 15 Magical Harmonicas. Okay, <laughs> 15 Magical Harmonicas. Magical Blues to, Harps. Uh, ask you your most favorite, least favorite tracks. Okay. See if we can finally get a little variance in this uh, yeah, portion of the soundtrack. I think we're going to, but... Um, <laughs> I tell you what, I love the uh, Lucinda Williams song, uh, Can't Let Go. I think Lucinda Willem- Williams is a, uh, is a competent musician. Maybe, honorable mention, Lisa Loeb's How. Hmm. And golly, the, here's the question of the hour, is, um, <laughs> which is the worst <laughs> song. Uh, the three Hanson ones are, are right there at the top of the pack for worst. Uh, but my God, I, I cannot get over just like, the bad bullcrap jars of clay, like <laughs> you were there. I, 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 that that hits me in a way that like really makes me sick to my stomach. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> which is like you know profiting off of religion and um, it's exchanging the um, you know the old South Park thing. It was like yeah, just cut out baby and put Jesus, and it's fine. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah, and it's babe Jesus. <laughs> So I'm going to go uh, Jars of Clay was perhaps uh, the worst okay. on here. All right. And uh, my rating for this, I guess I'm going to have to go pretty low on this one. <laughs> um, I'm going to give this a 3.7 magical harmonicas that bring a snowman to life of a former sad blues deadbeat dad. All right. 3.7. All right. Nikki. Out of, You're uh, giving me that ice cold Clooney stare <laughs> out of a zero to 15 what was it magical harmonicas <laughs> out of zero to 15 magical blues harps <laughs> don't forget your uh, most favorite least favorite tracks most favorite least favorite tracks let's start there um i'm gonna have to say favorite track such a strange thing to do <laughs> with this soundtrack but we gotta do it uh i'm gonna say my favorite track is lucinda williams can't let go nice um, she's pretty cool. She's the real deal. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> least favorite track. Yeah, so many to choose from. <laughs> but I, I'm going to go with the song by Bob Carlyle. I'm going to go with Father's Love. Oh, Father's, yeah. Love. <laughs> Father's Love is one of the worst <laughs> songs on so many levels that I think I've ever heard. Father's Love. Father's Love. It's... How did that song get made? <laughs> Who's, who said yes to that? Pretty mind-blowing. Um, this is a terrible movie. This is a <laughs> terrible soundtrack. Uh, it was a box office flop. You know, a lot of the soundtracks that we do here on track listing will have maybe a bad movie with a redeeming soundtrack mm-hmm. or maybe the other way around or maybe we had something that was a box office flop that became a cult classic Mm -hmm. that was really good uh this is none of those things right this was a box office flop this was certainly not a cult classic uh it might be kind of sorry (laughs) for families in tahoe i don't know (laughs) maybe this is just bad i'm gonna have to give this a point two Magical harmonicas. Point two. Point two. A point two. The lowest rating we've ever received. <laughs> that's, that's my lowest. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, out of 15 magical harmonicas. 15 magical harmonicas suggests that somewhere there's a magical John Popper and a magical blues traveler behind him. Uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I... <laughs> 
Nikki is completely right that the the worst song has to be Father's Love by Bob Carlyle <laughs> in that it's not only is it one of the worst songs I've heard, it's the worst song on the soundtrack and it's not even like contextually used in the film. It's just a credit song. So it doesn't have to be there at all, which yeah. is like, I don't know if it's they're courting like the uh, mega church crowd to try to turn them out for the Christmas films. I think that I was think like so. their last Hail Mary, uh, excuse the pun. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some like queasy, like Christian, like uh, cross promotion things happening here. Yeah. Uh, the best song, yeah, Lucinda Williams with Can't Let Go. Um, I'll be I'll be listening to that when I cream off of a snowy uh, <laughs> interstate yeah. on, in Colorado. I hope to die with Lucinda Williams playing. <laughs> oh, 15 harmonicas. This is I mean, we we're used to bad covers. This has three bad covers or four bad covers. I say the Spice Girls cover isn't terrible. It's just slightly worse than the original probably. Yeah. Uh, Give Me Some Loving is a song that I really, really like the original of, and so it is maybe the most offensive to hear. That's the originally, by that's the one by John Spencer. It's a John Spencer group, mm-hmm. which is, but it was written by Steve Winwood, who was. Right. Uh, and it, it makes you, hearing this Hanson version makes you hate that <laughs> old one more, you know? Yeah. Not and the John Spencer blues explosion <laughs> we talked about in Baby Driver. <laughs> that's right. A lot of John Spencers out there. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I got to give this one and a half uh, magical blues harmonicas. One and a half. All right. That's pretty bad. It's <laughs> pretty bad. That's hey, pretty excellent bad. pick, Caleb. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty bad. <laughs> Hey, can you believe it's been 22 years? <laughs> oh, my goodness. We do need to move on to our recommended track. Yeah, our favorite uh, favorite comeback track. Come favorite back. comeback track in the spirit of, um, you know, Michael Keaton's character. <laughs> Coming back to life as a snowman. Define it how you will, guys. Uh, Caleb, why don't you lead us off? All right, I'll lead off. I think that I, I might have biffed it a little bit on this one and that it's a... Uh, so this is an act um, that we've brought up before. I believe that Nikki recommended one of their tracks, maybe on the first uh, the first part of our Baby Driver soundtrack uh, duo episodes. Part one. I think mm-hmm. I believe that it was you for your baby pick. You picked um, it was Donnie and Joe Emerson um, who did the song "Oh Baby," which is like a little bit of a outsider. Uh, yeah. Outsider art. Outsider art. It was like a two musicians who were young, and they um, like their parents like mortgaged the farm. They recorded a weird album, and nobody ever listened to it. And then somebody came across it in like a bargain bin years later, and then Ariel Pink covered it. And it's kind of become a cult classic. That's right. It was also featured as the uh, opening song to uh, Tim Heidecker's uh, film, The Comedy. Yeah. yeah. Where it also gained some new popularity. Mm-hmm. Great track. Great track. Um, so this was an act that never got any traction when they were recording music. And then they had a release in, I think it was 2014, of some uh, pre-recorded tracks that never got released um, until there was like a revival in interest. Uh, and on the back of this, I think they did tour some. And I think that some of these tracks might have been maybe rejiggered and reproduced in ways that uh, I couldn't find details on, but they definitely sound updated. And uh, the lost recordings were supposedly from 1979 to 1981. But the song that I picked is called Don't Fight by Donnie and Joe Emerson. Now I don't know 
so yeah, this is a, a band that never got any due when they when they were recording when they were young, but then years later people rediscovered them and then some of this music got finally released and, and there was some interest in it and they got to go around and play it in front of crowds and it's kind of cool. And yeah. I like the song quite a bit. Yeah, I love that they finally got their day in the sun, you know what I mean? Two fucking Eastern Washington weirdos. <laughs> Enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, they were like... Uh, I guess like that barn where they were making music, I think was like outside of uh, Spokane, Washington area. I Spokane is where their records were finally discovered. Uh-huh. I think it's like they were closest up in like, big city. Yeah. To them. They were mm-hmm. up like a little bit north of there. Interesting. Very nice. Yeah. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you, Caleb. Great song. Great song. Chris, you got a recommended track for us. Come back. I do. I do. I have a track from a gentleman named Bobby Womack, who um, Ooh, nice. I think is uh, one of the better musicians out there. But man, has he been through the ringer. You know, like drug addict issues, um, kind of went to the edge and back, hanging out with like Bootsy Collins and Sly Stone and uh uh, really uh, fell off there for a moment. But um, in 2012, he recorded an album called um, uh, The Bravest Man in the Universe. And uh, it was the first album he had done in 12 years. And I think he had survived colon cancer uh, by this point. He had kind of beaten some drug stuff. And uh, he collaborated with a couple of people to, to make this. But um, this is a, a song called Whatever Happened at the Times. Yeah, let's hear that and I'll talk about it a little bit more. Oh, if you've seen me running through some streets in life, baby, it's all right. Don't even pay me no mind. I'm just looking for, for my yesterday. Some old only memory. I watched them fade and fade away Very cool. Yeah. I like that track. Yeah. yeah. I love um, early Bobby Womack. Is, mm-hmm. I've got a ton of his records. I love him. Across 110th Street uh, might be one of my favorite songs. Uh, that's on the Jack. I introduced to it uh, from the Jackie Brown soundtrack. And it was written for another soundtrack. I think it was... I think that was the title of like a black exploitation film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, um, California Dreamin', also another jam. He uh, loves to talk on his songs. There's yeah, a lot of, like <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of um, kind of real talk happening. <laughs> yeah, kind of you know maybe like a gospel influence. Like he starts kind of uh, preaching in the middle of songs. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's uh, one of the ways they recorded this album. Um, and in this song, you can hear him. And all, all this album, uh, Bravest Man in the Universe, you can hear just like him speaking and then they just kind of put music to it. And I think that's the way they sort of like, just go, just go off, sing some stuff and we'll put some music to it later. Um, but yeah, he, he died shortly after this. He had one more posthumous album come out, but um, survived colon cancer, did this album, got diabetes, um, got Alzheimer's. I mean, just like. Wow. He's a survivor. <laughs> survivor. Yeah. Yeah, come back, coming back after uh, 14 years of not releasing anything. So, very cool, pretty impressive, very cool, Nikki. Thank uh, you, Chris. Yeah, love that track. Do you have a comeback song for us, Nick? I've got a comeback song for us, guys. This is from 1996. This is a song off the album "Return of the Mac" by Mark Morrison. <laughs> the name of the song is "Return of the Mac." Yeah. yeah. 
Thank you, Mark Morrison. That song was uh, recorded in 96, became a uh, big hit in the summer of 97, mm-hmm. Song of the Summer. And uh, that song's got quite a handful of uh, samples to make up the track. You've got Genius of Love by Tom Tom Club. Uh, you've got the song Games by Chucky Booker. There's a little bit of the song UFO by ESG. Mm-hmm. There's uh, Cerrone's. Cerrone's Rocket awesome. in the Pocket. Oh, I love him too. Italian and, uh, uh, disco producer. Italian disco producer Cerrone, really, really good. And uh, there's Feel the Heartbeat by The Treacherous Three. Oh. A little snippet of that. And uh, this was a song that he made after spending a little bit of time in jail. He went to jail in 95 uh, after a uh, disturbance in a nightclub. And um, he said that this song for him was about moving from the negative to the positive. And, you know, he's kind of saying this is how it turned out. Uh, within the space of the year, I went from the lowest point of my life to the return as the Mac <laughs> and uh, move forward to uh, what's become the highest point of my life. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's my uh, comeback track. I feel like that song had a, a, a sort of a boost in recent popularity as well. Maybe a couple of years ago, I started hearing it a lot more. I and think I... Post Malone yeah, yeah. had oh. a great version of this. Oh, I, I don't haven't like heard it. Post Malone at all. No, I don't either. It was a... There was a... a a comedy special that uh, Seth Rogen put together, yeah. right? It was mm-hmm. like a charity special, and it was like mm-hmm. Nick Kroll and John Mulaney. I remember a ton of people were uh, involved, and I was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was actually kind of very disappointing. Yeah, we were talking about it, it sucked. It was really bad. <laughs> the whole and, thing was but bad. I was like watching, yeah. and I was kind of like, ah. Bummer. And then at one point towards the end, they're like, uh, now we have Post Malone. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, maybe I'm an old man at this point, but Post Malone comes out, and I'm just like, geez, oh, what the fuck? And then he starts. <laughs> doing a version of this yeah which to to be fair he's just doing a very, very faithful good song okay yeah, very yeah, faithful i've heard cover. him do the same with nirvana as well where it's, yeah. it's not a bad cover it's, that he does but he's it's not the, like it's he's not faithful. putting much of a take on it but it it was the best part of the entire special all right but it's just because that's a great song man yeah it's great true great yeah man, great song great song crazy <laughs> All right, guys, that is uh, the end of uh, this podcast for 2020. 2020. We're putting it to bed. This Happy is holidays. Last episode of the year. Yeah. We will return in 2021. What a year. We're <laughs> warming up <laughs> for a big year. Big year. It's all going to be better in this 2021. Gonna, this is going to be our year, but maybe next year is going to yeah. be our year. 2022 <laughs> might be our year. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, listeners, for uh, sticking with us through all of 2020. Uh, we want to wish everyone a happy holiday and we will see you next year yeah love you guys love y'all i love you guys i love you guys hey love and you guys I, as well i'm gonna wish you a happy holidays and a happy birthday for both of you fucking scrooges oh, that's right you're too sweet i'm you're sure it's, this one's gonna be even more depressing than most because <laughs> and we'll uh we'll preemptively we wish uh, <laughs> caleb a happy birthday as well oh, for yeah. uh, may 31st yeah <laughs> oh man it's been fun it's been a fun year yeah <laughs>
Lots of soundtracks we've done this year. We've done all the Baby Driver movies. Ah, thinking all about the Baby some, Driver soundtracks. Thinking about some good ones right now. The Matrix. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you in 2021. Bye. Bye.